Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from The Lancet Public Health. It's May 2023 and I'm Stephanie Becker. I'm delighted to be joined today by Professor Jennifer Smith from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, whose new research on the effect of HPV self-collection kits and cervical cancer screening uptake is available to read online now. First of all, thank you so much for joining me. It really is such an important topic that we're going to be talking about. So I was hoping that you could start off by telling us a bit about human papillomavirus and cervical cancer and why screening is so important. Thank you, Steph. Um, absolutely. Cervical cancer um, is the, the, one of the leading causes of cancer deaths among women worldwide. There's actually over 600,000 new incident cases of disease, which result in over 340,000 deaths among women globally every year. And it's highly preventable with vaccination of young adolescents, as well as screening and treatment of females in screening programs. And I think that's really important as we think about prevention of a cancer, we can really envision the elimination of cervical cancer. Screening is is particularly important um, because, for example, in the United States, roughly 50% of all of the incident invasive cancer cases are among women who have not been screened according to schedule, so they're infrequently screened, or they haven't been screened at all. And we know that screening can actually detect the precancerous stages of the disease, and therefore, by identifying which women have high-grade lesions, um, that we're able to actually be able to treat these lesions in order to prevent invasive disease. And treatment works, and therefore screening um, has been really helpful to reducing the burden of invasive cancer um, in the United States. And um, we have very good programs now that also include HPV testing um, in conjunction with cytology or as primary screening for women 30 years of age and older. Great. So it really is so important um, for us to have screening programs. Why, though, did you decide to study the effect of HPV self-collection kits on cervical cancer screening uptake? And why did you choose to do it specifically in women from low income backgrounds? Um, Thank you, Steph. And as I said, you know, for us to make a real impact on reducing the burden of invasive cancer, Um, In the United States, it's really important to try to increase the screening coverage or screening uptake among those women who are infrequently screened or not screened at all. And therefore, um, I think you can imagine um, conceptually that, you know, if you are able to bring a a screening test to a a patient's home or a woman's home, um, that you would have an increased likelihood potentially that she will undergo screenings by bringing the, the screening test to her. And these are kind of patient approaches to providing screening access and reducing barriers. And so that is actually why I envision and been doing work on HV self-collection interventions for many years now. Um, and, and it has a real potential to increase screening access because we have actually kits that women can be mailed. And these kits include a self-collection um, brush or 
or a swab to collect um, her own sample um, by herself in the privacy of her own home. And there's illustrated instructions um, that can help her um, in, in terms of teaching her how to do the self-collection. We've had several studies um, and women find this highly acceptable and have been very successful in actually undergoing self-collection in their homes and returning the kits by mail with the samples for testing um, in a laboratory setting. And the second part of your question was why was I focusing on these underscreened women from low-income backgrounds? And we've been doing some previous studies in North Carolina over the years, and one of our primary findings was that when we go and we interview directly with women who haven't been screened and ask them, why haven't you been screened? A large proportion of them say, well, I have no insurance, I can't afford screening. And so I think um, that is an important group to really focus on those women who um, are are those that are uninsured from low economic backgrounds because they may have less access to the types of prevention services that other women, the more um, insured or women from higher income populations. Thank you for that explanation. So what would you say were the key findings of your study? Well, initially, you know, when we were going out to do this research, I really thought it was a trial of real equipose when we didn't really know the answer. So what we did is we identified women who hadn't been screened according to schedule or screened at all. And we identified them through a number of community-based approaches. And we um, randomized them into two groups. Both of the groups received scheduling assistance. And this was actually just helping, telling a woman you're overdue for your cervical cancer screening. Um, We would like to help you book an appointment at this clinic on this day. And and, And we offer that to both of the arms of our trial. And conceptually, I thought that a woman, given our previous um, information, that women, if they were uninsured or they didn't know exactly how they could get screening, that offering them the scheduling assistance might be enough to overcome the barrier to screening. In the intervention arm, um, be given that self-collection, as I mentioned before, is an intervention that can be, um, kits can be mailed to women's homes. Women's can either, for example, collect it in the privacy of their own home, or kits can also be provided to patients who may come into clinics in a clinical setting for collection um, on site at the clinic or to take home and return by mail. So there's a lot of options. We really chose the mailed option in in this because we were doing community outreach and we wanted to bring the kits to the women's homes. And what we found is literally twofold increase in screening uptake among the group of women who received the self-test kits at home. And that was as compared to the group that only received the scheduling assistance alone. And so I think this is really actually quite surprising and really exciting, which really suggests that by mailing women self-collection kits, putting that kit right in front of them um, and, 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 and reminding them with the kit in hand that, you know, reminding them that they're overdue for their cervical cancer screening and here's a kit that you can use and here are instructions and just mail it back to us in a pre-stamped envelope that we were really able to increase screening uptake, which I think is really exciting um, in in terms of of the potential of self-collection. Yeah, those are definitely exciting results and potentially huge implications. Could you just clarify for us what you envisage the implications of your findings being and how you think the field or how you hope the field might change as a result? 
Well, I think that if you look at the previous literature to date, a number of the self-collection intervention programs, there's programs that are being done nationally in the Netherlands and Denmark. There are other, other programs that have been done in the U.S. That in the U.S., the studies have been largely among insured um, women with higher income backgrounds. And I think this is a, a really, I think, exciting in the fact that we were able to, number one, like um, identify these underscreen women with low income backgrounds in our state of North Carolina. We were able to successfully deliver them the self-collection kits by mail. And we we had um, a very positive effect on screening uptake. And I think this means that we can, in the future, really think about integrating HV self-collection within existing um, screening programs. And so, for example, you can envision actually working with federally qualified health centers um, in our state and across the nation to actually be able to start identifying women by electronic medical record, identifying those who have are not being screened according to national guidelines, according to schedule, um, send them a letter saying, please come in to get in-clinic screening, or please complete this self-collection kit and return it by mail. And I think we can actually be thinking about doing a lot more um, of that types of real implementation programs, particularly um, in regard to the fact that we hope that this evidence will inform the evidence that's being considered currently by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, um, in order to hopefully approve HV self-collection at some point in the near future. So on a similar note, is there any further research that you think should be done on this topic? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, I think the first thing relates to what I just talked about is as programs, it's not just fairly qualified health centers, just other um, large integrated healthcare systems are thinking about, you know, moving HIV self-collection into their regular clinical practice. I think it's going to be essential that really the further research is done on really the nuts and bolts of how you would integrate HIV self-collection within existing clinical practice. For example, what types of changes in personnel duties are needed? What kind of infrastructure needs might be needed to, for example, to successfully be able to implement electronic medical record system? Other research questions may be from a clinic perspective, is it um, most effective or cost effective to mail out self-collection kits to patients who are identified as being under screen, or would it be as effective to actually offer patients who are under screen, like flag the record, for example, and, and identify patients and offer them self-collection kits as they come in the door for other services? I think the most important question, um, however, that remains in my mind from our research um, has to do with how to ensure continuity for those women who have been found to have a positive self-collection result, for example, after being mailed a kit, how to ensure that those women who have positive results are getting the follow-up screening and care that they so deserve. I think as we are thinking about breaking down barriers um, for screening, we have to also really be thinking about breaking down barriers throughout the cervical cancer screening and treatment cascade. So for example, if I'm showing here this exciting data that we're breaking down barriers to increase screening access um, itself, we have to also think about how to best facilitate 
that those women who have positive results not only are going to be able to be linked to care, but also really understand those results. And so that we're putting the, the HIV self-collection intervention within a larger delivery program. Our team is quite excited about these results because they really show that by providing a self-collection outreach intervention to women and providing the opportunity to screen in their homes resulted in a dramatically higher screening uptake than if we were just to actually provide scheduling assistance alone. And I think this is really exciting because there's in our in our previous work we see that women who are underscreened or infrequently screened often report having a number of barriers to screening. And these include, for example, trans- transportation issues. Um, you know, And I think that by bringing the kit itself, it does break down some of these barriers. And we really do see here an increase in, in uptake of screening. And I think that's really exciting as we're trying to really um, move the new technologies that we have into actually solutions to try to increase screening uptake, again, with the final goal to reduce the burden of this highly preventable invasive cervical cancer. Great. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you, Steph. It's really been a pleasure to be invited on this podcast. And I hope that any of your um, listeners might possibly check out our um, our website of www.cervicalcancerfreecoalition.com. Um, it's really nice to talk to you here from UNC um, Chapel Hill. You can read Professor Smith's research online now at thelancet.com. Thank you to Professor Smith and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation with The Lancet Public Health wherever you usually get your podcasts.